Welcome to the Hope Unlimited Church podcast. We are so honored to connect with you and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. All right, let's get into the, the, the Word of God. Jump in your Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter number 2. The book of Acts, chapter number 2. And uh, I'm going to read a couple of passages to you. If you didn't bring your Bible, uh, they'll throw it up there on the screen um, for you. Acts, chapter 2. Um, I grew up in the church age when if you didn't bring your Bible, we didn't have technology. If you didn't bring your Bible, you just lost the whole time. Especially if they get over there in those Old Testament stories. Turn to 2 Chronicles 18 or Lamentations. You might as well ride on the back of a tithe envelope and play tic-tac-toe with somebody because you're going to be lost the entire time. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And I do want to remind you of this. Our next steps class, if you are interested in learning more about Hope Unlimited, you're interested in getting plugged in, our next steps class starts in September. It is four weeks. It's immediately after church. We provide food for you. We're going to connect with you. We'll answer your questions. We're going to share a little bit about the heart and the vision of the church. And that's your opportunity to get plugged in and become a part of what God's doing. So we want you to be a part of that starting in September. Can I say one more time, it is glad to see human beings. (laughs) We were not created to be disconnected from each other. Uh, Acts 2, verse number 1. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven, there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind. It filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them. And a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And began to speak in other languages. The King James says they began to speak with other tongues. As the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound the crowd gathered and they were bewildered. Because each one heard them speaking in in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished they asked. Are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear, watch this, are are not all these people talking in our languages? Are they not all from Galilee? Then how do we hear each of them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, Libya, belonging to Cyrene, visitors from Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabs, in our own language. We are, these men are from a small, a small area in Israel. How are they speaking the tongues of the nations of the world. We hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying one to another, watch this, what does this mean? Everybody say that. Say, what does this mean? Say it with me. What does this mean? But others sneered and said, these men are filled with new wine. Now jump over to verse 37 of that same chapter. After verse uh, 13, Peter preaches his long sermon, and he's going off. It's actually not a long sermon. It's the shortest sermon. I've never preached a sermon this short. Peter preaches his message, talks about you crucify the Lord of glory, but God raised him up. He's now Messiah. 
He's now king. Verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? The first question they asked at Pentecost was, What does this mean? Say that with me again. The second question they asked at Pentecost was, What do we do? What do we do with what just happened? Verse 38. Peter said to them, Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, so that your sins may be forgiven, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you, for your children, and for all who are far off, even whom the Lord our God calls to him. And he testified with many other arguments and exhorted them, saying, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. So those who, were wel- so those who welcomed his message were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 persons were added. They devoted themselves, watch verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking bread, and to prayer. Verse 43. All came upon everyone. Because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together. All who believed were together. And they had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, not just on Sunday in the third service, day by day, They spent much time together in the temple. They broke bread at home. They ate their food with gladness and generous heart, with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having goodwill toward all the people and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. If COVID has done, thanks, Jansen, I appreciate it. If COVID has done anything, it makes you, I was talking to a, a friend the other night, they were saying this in their own life, it makes you, everything has to slow down. Everything came to a screeching halt. For some of you, it didn't, but for, for many of you, it did, because for those of you, it didn't, it's because you're essential. And the rest of us can go jump off a bridge, but you're essential. And... Um, I was talking to them, and I was sharing some of my own heart, and COVID had this way of, of making us stop all of the day-to-day activity, the rut, the, 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 what, the, the pattern that we get in, the, the, the ceaseless churning, wake up, go to work, do your thing, come home, eat dinner, watch TV, go to bed, get up, go. this ceaseless pattern, this unrelenting pattern. On Saturday, you get up and you watch Alabama football and you pray for Tennessee football and then you, you do it again and again and again. <laughs> My brother-in-law just moved to Cleveland, Tennessee. They're leading a ministry there, and he's brand new to the area. And he said, so do you? He came to me and said, so you still cheer for Alabama? I said, I give them the business from the first game to the last game, Roll Tide. And uh, so it has this way of making you stop. And and I'm I'm so thankful in so many ways that, that I was made to stop. Because we were doing church and doing church and pastoring people and meeting and planning and strategizing. But sometimes it feels good to just stop and step back and recalibrate. 
Now, in the world that I live in as a pastor and the conversations that I'm a part of all the time, all the time, all, all, in the Greek, that means all of them, all the time, is conversations about how to grow a church. Well, you should do this, and then you should do that, and they should dress like this, and they should dress like that, and you can't do this. You can't ask them to lift their hands because that's offensive, or you got to ask them to lift their hands, or then you're going to dishonor God. All of these conversations, and finally when COVID hit and we had to stop, I had to step back and go back to the Bible and say, God, what are you saying about all of this? Instead of trying to formulate an Americanized version of what the church is supposed to look like, God, what are you saying about this? And God, all through the book of Acts, he is never telling us that we are to be growing a church. He's telling us we are to be forming fiery communities that will shake the world. And there is a great, great, great difference from what the Bible calls community and what Americans in the South call church. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We are not called to just drive through for 45 minutes and check that box off at the end of our week and God be an accessory to our already busy lives. That is not what we are called to do. We are called to live in a community that burns with the fire of God and shakes this region with his goodness. Can I get an amen from somebody? It wears me out getting in those conversations. It wears me out getting in those conversations about this is how you do this and this is how you do that. I believe that if we form the kind of community that God's called us to, to form, just like he did in the book of Acts, God will add to it who he's calling to be a part of it. Instead of getting the marketing just right and the media just right, all those things are important. And I'm not taking away from those things. But you can have all of that. And if you don't have a fiery community, you do not have a church. You might have a Sunday morning get together, but you do not have a church. You do not have the ecclesia that Jesus prophesied about when he looked at Peter and said, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You with me? I, 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 I tap out of the church growth game. I'm tapping out. I tap out. That's not what I'm trying to do anymore. I want a form of community of like-hearted believers that are filled with the Spirit of God and walk and interact with the brokenness of humanity the same way Jesus walked and interacted with the brokenness of humanity. I want a community of people filled with, can I preach this this morning? I want a community of people filled with the fire of God that still believes the sick can be healed and the dead can be raised and the lame can walk and the blind can see. I believe that's Still, I want a church that still believes that lives can be transformed in one moment of his presence. Are y'all with me? Talk back to me. When you get to the book of Acts, you got to find out how the book of Acts is even set up. The book of Acts, Luke wrote Luke and Acts. Luke and Acts are actually one long book. And when you read Luke's gospel, when you read Luke's gospel, Jesus says some fascinating things to his disciples. Jesus comes as the son of God and recruits 12 apostles, right? It's not a trick question. That's the truth. 
right? Boom. You got an A on your New Testament exam. Jesus had 12 apostles. And when Jesus comes, he, they start following him. And he looks at them in Luke chapter 9. And he says, I give you power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. The disciples assumed after centuries and centuries of prophecy that Jesus was going to be a Messiah that would show up with the sword and topple Rome. Jesus didn't come with a sword. Jesus came with a towel. Jesus came bearing a cross, not bearing a sword. And Jesus wasn't fighting Rome. Jesus didn't go around waging war against Rome. Jesus went around waging war against principalities and powers because he was communicating to them, I'm setting you free from your real enemy, and it's not Rome. I give you power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. Later on in Luke chapter 9, watch what happens. There's a man who has a son that is demon-possessed. And they drag him to the disciples. And the disciples can't do anything with this boy. And the father finally comes to Jesus and he says, I brought him to your disciples. Now, Jesus had just said, I give you power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. About 40 verses later, they bring, he brings that boy to the disciples and the disciples can't do anything. He approaches Jesus and he says, I brought him to your disciples, and they could not cast him out. And Jesus makes a startling statement. Jesus says, how long do I have to be with you? And and this is the King James language. How long do I have to suffer with you? Isn't that that heartwarming? How long am I going to have to suffer with you? Bring the boy to me. And Jesus cast the devil out. Now watch, this is what Jesus is saying. I gave you power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. I gave you the power by my spirit to bring healing to broken creation. And when you could not do it, that means I have to stay here longer. We believe that Jesus lived and walked the earth and was in ministry for 33 and a half years because there's something magical about that number. There's nothing magical about that number. That's how long it took the disciples to catch what Jesus was trying to impart. Jesus could have been in ministry one year if they could have caught it. How long do I have to be with you? Because my purpose in coming to the earth is not just to die on the cross, although it is to die on the cross. My purpose in coming to the earth is to raise up sons of God that can function in the fire and the authority and the power that the Son of God is functioning in. That's why Jesus says in John 17, Father, I have finished the work you've given me to do. And Jesus hadn't even died on the cross yet because his only work was not just to die on the cross, His work was to raise up you and me to function in power like he functioned and greater than he functioned. That's why before Jesus dies, before Jesus dies, your Bible calls him the only begotten son of God. Right? 
before Jesus dies on the cross, your Bible calls him the only begotten son of God. After Jesus dies on the cross, he is never called the only begotten son ever again. Now he is the firstborn among all of the sons of God. Now Satan does not just have one son of God healing the sick and casting out devils. Now he's got Peter and James and John and Tom and Goldie and Will and Mike and Emily, all the sons of God. I need y'all to get in here with me this morning. This is what the church is supposed to be. So when Luke, when Luke goes to write Acts, he is saying this is what happened after Jesus left through us. This is, what the, this, is the, this is the picture of what it looked like for the Son of God to raise up sons of God. You're not just a little Christian. You're a son. You're a daughter filled with the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead and we have substituted 30 minute church services for power and for glory and for the moving of the spirit right if we go to church and we sing for 15 minutes and listen to preaching for 20 minutes and we call that Christianity, we need to go back and read the Bible all over again. That's not Christianity. That's an Americanized version of it, but that's not the vision that Jesus had for this fiery community that he called the church. Are y'all with me? Is everybody cool? You're cool? Say, I'm cool. So you get to the day of Pentecost. Suddenly there comes a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind fills the house where they were sitting. Cloven tongues like as a fire falls on everybody. They begin to speak with other tongues. You're not supposed to do that in church. You're not supposed to do that because people will get offended. People will not understand. Now I grew up, I grew up in what I call sweaty Pentecostal. Who knows what sweaty Pentecostal means? Raise your hand if you know what sweaty Pentecostal means. About five of you. Sweaty Pentecostal means you didn't want to invite your friends. Because you never knew what was going to happen. It could get rowdy to a level that even you were made uncomfortable and you grew up in that church. Right? If you've never been hit by a flying bobby pin out of Aunt Bernice's head because the Holy Ghost came on her, you've not had church yet. If you've never seen an old school holiness Pentecostal lady dance her uncut hair that hadn't been touched by scissors in 70 years down to her ankles, you've not had church yet. Sweaty Pentecostal. Grumpy holiness. You know what I'm saying? Those people that were so holy they were mean. Couldn't wear makeup. Couldn't wear jewelry. Couldn't wear anything above your toenails, women. Couldn't wear sleeveless dresses. I heard Jason Duplantis say one time, if an armpit turns you on, you need deliverance. <laughs> I don't know, how many of you know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? Old school. That's not the vision I'm talking about either. I'm not talking about people that are weird for the sake of being weird. But I am talking about people that believe the moving of the Spirit is the answer. It's the answer. No, no, it's the answer. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? It is the answer. So the Spirit comes in. They begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And people around them, not even from that region, begin to hear and understand what they were saying. And this is, this is kind of what you get told today in the church growth movement. This is what you're told. You have to communicate things to people in a way they understand. You have to make it very low stakes. You can't ask people to make a real radical commitment to Jesus. It has to be very low stakes. It just has to be, you know, just come and show up for 15 minutes, and we will count you part of it. It's just very low stakes. You don't have to do anything, and you have to communicate it in ways that are intelligible to them. You have to put back everything you know and communicate it in ways that the culture and the secular world is dictating and in the Bible when they begin to speak with other tongues they released what the spirit had put in them and then they trusted him to interpret it for everybody that was listening what does this mean in the book of Acts chapter 2 this means that this is finally the launch of the church that Jesus originally envisioned you know over in the Old Testament listen can, can I go can I take you on just a quick little little side journey are you with me over in the Old Testament, your Bible says that Adam and Eve fell in the garden. You know that story. Adam and Eve falls in the garden, and then a curse comes on the earth. Right? A curse comes on the earth. God calls Abraham and says, Abraham, I want you and your family. God is going to bless the earth through you and your family. Now, that word bless, we just read over that. Abraham, I'm going to bless you, and all the nations of the world are going to be blessed through you. We thought Abraham's going to be rich. That's what we think blessing means. I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to bless the world through you. He is connecting it back to the curse that Adam brought on the earth. In other words, Abraham, watch, hang in here with me. Abraham, I'm going to start with you rolling back the curse that Adam brought on the world. Because the world's going to be blessed through you. And you're going to have a grandson. And his name's going to be Israel. And how many sons is Israel going to have? Twelve. And when he has those twelve sons, they're going to go in and they're going to inherit Canaan. I'm going to give Canaan to them. But when you jump over into the book of, of into the Gospels and into the book of Acts, how many people do you see Jesus recruiting? You got to connect all of this stuff. How many people is Jesus recruiting? Where is he getting the number 12 from? All the way back in Israel. If Israel was called to elect 12 that would inherit Canaan, I'm going to elect 12 and we're not going to inherit Canaan. We're going to remake the world. We're not going to roll back the curse just off of Israel. We're going to roll back the curse of the entire cosmos. We're going to make all things new. That is the call of the church. That's why in Genesis 11, you see them building a tower to heaven. They have an upper room. Genesis chapter 11 with the Tower of Babel. In their upper room, they're doing it in their own power. And God comes down and confounds their language. But when you jump over into Acts, they are in a different upper room. And God comes down and unites their language. The Bible is all connected. So what does this mean? This means this is the new family of Israel called to make all things new. This means we are the new family of Israel called to heal and redeem the world. I preached it in one of our online messages. That's why we are called to move toward human brokenness, not away from it. We say this statement all the time. I've already preached on this, but I'm going to touch on it again. We say this statement all the time, and it's wrong. We say this all the time, love the sinner, 
It's called speak in response. Love the sinner. Right? And that's that's kind of the justification we give to ourselves by being for being mean to everybody that's not like us. Well, I love the sinner. I hate the sin. That's why I don't talk to them. That's why when I pull up to Starbucks and I see a transgender person, I won't even look at them. Because I hate the sin. No, you hate the person. Your Bible never called you to love the sinner and hate the sin. Your Bible called you to love your neighbor. And we have a tendency to view people unlike us as sinners rather than neighbors. They're not a gay sinner. They're your gay neighbor. Because when we make them sinners instead of neighbors, they become projects instead of people. And in your, are y'all with me this morning? And in your Bible, Jesus never recoiled from the sin of those around him. Jesus never recoiled from that. Jesus never pulled back from that. Well, I'm called to be holy. Then you don't know what holiness means. Holiness means you have enough power in you to move toward the brokenness, not away from it. Jesus was more holy than you and would eat with publicans and sinners and the wicked and the depraved. Look at how we talk about each other online. We dehumanize everybody that's not just like us and doesn't think just like us. And then we put some kind of bizarre cliche on it like, well, I love the sinner, but I hate the sin. Jesus never recoiled from brokenness. And to the degree that we recoil from people that are in sin is to the degree that we are unlike him. It is to the degree that we are unchristian. God is against sin. Amen. That's not a trick question either. That's question number two on your New Testament exam. God is against sin, yes? But God is for people. And God is against sin, not because of what sin does to him. Sin has no impact on God. Sin does not offend God. God doesn't have ego. God can't get offended. God is humble. God is against sin, not because of what it does to him, but because of what it does to us. God is not against sin because it offends him. God is against sin because it dehumanizes his image bearers. It makes us unlike him. And we have to be against sin in people's lives, not because we're grossed out by it or because it freaks us out, but because it makes you less than who you're called to be, which is an image bearer of the king. What does this mean? They're speaking in tongues that they do not know, and we understand it. What does this mean? It means that when God fills you with his spirit, your only responsibility is to release out of you what he's put in you. This is probably not a conversation for everybody, but here it goes. I am on a quest for our church to locate its authenticity. 
Because God will not anoint anything coming out of us that's not us. You hear what I'm saying? What does this mean? It means our only job as a community is to release what God's put on the inside of us. That's our only job. And then we trust him to interpret it to the people that need to hear it. What does this mean? What does this mean? And then they jump to step number two. Jansen, come on up. I'm going to stop here in just a second. What does this mean? It means that God's, God's renewal of all things has begun in the book of Acts and to be carried on and manifested through us. What does this mean? It means he is wanting to bless, meaning break the curse through us. He wants to break sin off of people's lives through us. Not because sin freaks God out, but because sin dehumanizes us. It makes us unlike him. When I say, when I say dehumanize, do you know what you're called to be? Do you know what I'm called to be? Me and you, you know what we're called to be? We're called to be, watch, let me explain this. We're called to be human. And what that means is we're called to bear his image. That's what being human fully means. When we're fully human, we're his image bearers. Sin dehumanizes us, meaning it blurs and distorts the image of God in us and through us. So what does this mean? This means God has elected his Israel to redeem his cosmos, to heal brokenness, to set free the captive, the recovering of sight to the blind, to liberate the oppressed, to heal the brokenhearted. That's what this means. And they ask the logical next question. What do we do? What does this look like for us as a community? What do we do? If this is the call on all of us, if this is the mandate on all of us, what do we do? And they gave themselves to teaching. They gave themselves to prayer. They gave themselves to fellowship and breaking of bread. They gave themselves to community. We understand though, yeah, we'll come and we'll listen to you preach. Yeah, we'll come and we'll worship. We'll call it prayer, but we'll worship. But what does it mean to give ourselves to community? community in the church today is absolutely anti-biblical. We have as much community with people we go to church with as people we go to the mall with. When I go to an Alabama football game, I find myself hugging strangers. 
right? Hugging each other. I love you, man. I love you. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. We are in this for the next four minutes. There's four minutes that we're in this together. We experienced a moment together. We're not in community. It doesn't mean that I weep when you weep. Now, if it's an Alabama game, I might. <laughs> praying, for my, praying for God to make me human. It means we weep with those that weep. It means we rejoice with those that rejoice. It means, this is the big phrase, we don't really know what it means, but it is what it is. We do life together. We are so individualistic and independent, and those things are great and wonderful and good in their place. But if COVID's taught us anything, it's taught us you can't live life disconnected from humans. Some of y'all can, and you just, that's a whole other problem. I'm an introvert, so the first couple of weeks I was like, this is what I've been waiting on. <laughs> what do we do? What does this mean? It means the, the mission of the church is launched and you're a part of it. It means God renewing and remaking all things has officially begun and we're a part of it. It means we move towards brokenness, not away from it. It, me it means we move toward the bound, not away from them. And what do we do? We give ourselves to his word. We give ourselves to prayer. Watch, watch. And we give ourselves to each other. We give ourselves to each other. To be a part of a fiery community. It means... We before me. It means we're bound together, going after the same mission. Paul used this language. It means we're a family. And every family's got a little crazy in it, but we are still a family. And you won't forgive anybody like you forgive your family. Somebody can cut you off in traffic and you want to drop a nuclear bomb on their car, but your family can cuss you out to your face and y'all are grilling out 20 minutes later. You have an abundance of grace toward family. You have no problem extending mercy toward family. That's why I don't want us to be a church. I want us to be a fiery community. A family. Are y'all with that? y'all with that I don't want drive in drive out I know that's popular that's low stakes you got no skin in the game faith what do we do now that we're a part of this movement we give ourselves to prayer to the word and to each other that's what Paul meant in Ephesians when he said the whole body is knit and joined together with me. I'm going to preach on that later, not today. That's who we're called to be. That's who we're called to be. That's why your Bible says, I love this verse. God sets the lonely in families. 
God doesn't set the lonely in churches. God sets the lonely in families. Stand up on your feet. Father, what does this mean? It means we're apart. joining with you in renewing all things of healing brokenness of delivering the bound of pouring oil and wine into the wounds of the broken heart that's what this means that's our vocation what do we do ourselves to you, Lord, in prayer. We give ourselves to hearing your voice through your word. And we give ourselves to each other. To each other. You know, that there, that scripture, everybody knows this verse. The, the, the guy asked Jesus, what do I do to inherit it? Or what's, what's the greatest commandment? What's the greatest commandment singular? And Jesus gives him two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And the way we always view that as, okay, we got it. We got, we got God at the top of the list. Love God. And two, love neighbor in that order that's not what Jesus was saying love God love your neighbor this is what he's teaching us that you love God through loving your neighbor when I love you well I'm loving him rightly when I love you right I love him right now think of how we treat each other sometimes. We pride ourselves on being a people that love Jesus so much, but don't even love each other. I love him by loving you because you're his image bearer. That's what Jesus meant when he said, when you do this to the least of these, you do it to me. When you talk about him, you're talking about me. When you cut yourself off from her, you're cutting yourself off from me. Community means we give ourselves to each other. And we are part of a body we before me and if we can do that if we can do that we can transform this city we don't need more churches we need fiery communities hearing what I'm saying lift your hands up to him one more time we thank you Lord for your word 
we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. Speak to us. Transform us. We hear your call to community. And we say yes to it. We hear your call to community. And we say yes to it. And everybody said hallelujah. Everybody said hallelujah. Give Jesus one more praise. watching online man we miss you guys like crazy and I know there's so many parents watching online that you're ready to get back and uh, have kids church available I do want to tell you we're revamping our kids program we've recruited an entire new group of kids workers it's going to be incredible it's going to be phenomenal and we're taking the next couple of weeks to train them and install our new program and it is going to be perfect just for you but we love you and we miss you to all of our family watching online at Hope Unlimited we love you we miss, you. we miss you already. <laughs> we love you so much. We will see you back here. We're going to continue with one service. One service. We'll be back here next Sunday morning, 10 a.m. Also, 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 also. It's very important. On Wednesday night at 6.30, two things are happening. Pastor Cole already mentioned it. Number one, we're having our student service. If you have middle school or high school age students, you want to get them here. You want to get them here where they can experience the power and the presence of God and also have an incredible time, an incredible time. Middle school and high school age students are way better at community than we are, right? That's their world, and this is a great community to get them plugged into, so drop them off here at 6.30. The service lasts about an hour, about an hour and a half, somewhere in between there. Be sure to drop them off here this Wednesday night. It's going to be powerful. Also, we have started, and I only did this by request. That several people requested. We have started an in-depth study on Wednesday night. It's only going to last a couple of weeks on the book of Revelation. And this is why. Because I get so tired of all of the stuff flying around on Facebook that if you're wearing a mask, you've taken the mark of the beast. And if you get a vaccine, you are the Antichrist. And all of this nonsense that gets thrown about. I have people calling me almost daily, freaking out, is this the end? Calm down. Calm down. What does this mean? It means nothing. What does the mask mean? It means nothing. It means you need to wear a mask so you don't get sick, and that's it. I can't put any more drama on it than that for you. But we get into a detailed study of the book of Revelation where we can clarify and demystify so much of the stuff that flies around about what's happening right now and what's happening in the book of Revelation. So you want to be here for that. That starts at 6.30 as well. That's across the street in our kids' building. We love you so much, Hope Unlimited. We'll see you Wednesday night, and we'll see you Sunday morning. God bless. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit hopeunlimited.church slash give. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Unlimited Church.